Hold on! You call yourself the Rockets! Well, very surely, your Rockets going down in flames! Bam Bam Bigelow, coming up in a short while, you're gonna be my launch pad to blast this rocket straight to the top! Greetings and salutations, lads and lasses. Welcome to the 28th instalment of Acceptable in the 90s. A rose-tinted look back at a simpler time in wrestling, when all you had to worry about was if you were ever going to see the WWF World Heavyweight title again. Today's episode is a Saturday special, where we look over a special episode of WCW Saturday Night from April the 17th, 1993. Cactus Jack has issued a challenge to Big Van Vader, which he has accepted. Could we have a new WCW World Champion as Slamboree approaches? Let's find out together, shall we? But of course, before we can do anything, it's time for Big Meaty Cool's Craft Beer Review. And I actually have a bonus one for you as well, as we've got a double header from Lidl's latest exclusive range. So, the whole plan was to review Harbour Brewing's Session IPA Big On Sesh on this episode, but I've got to be honest, I poured it out while I was getting the equipment together, and I wasn't really sure I wanted to, to be fair. Um, you know what I was saying about last week, where the Salt Brewing Casual Pale kind of defied its £1.79 price point, and you'd probably pay a little bit more for it? Well, with the Harbour beer, you are pretty much getting what you pay for. It looks anemic, the head disappears almost immediately, and it tastes of nothing. Um, I mean, I'm sure several cans of it will get you quite squiffy, but you wouldn't have a lot of, um, you know, taste to that session. So, sadly, I'm going to hold out on the Harbour Brewing just to see if, you know, different batches of it prove to improve to be better uh, but it's a shame really because I'm quite a big fan of Harbour so because of that I have bumped up for this episode the Thornbridge Kakawa Chocolate Stout which promises to have hints of coffee and vanilla and is a very enjoyable 4.5% now this is also part of Lidl's £1.79 range um, I can smell it from here you can really detect the notes of coffee and cacao in the actual drink itself and um, the head does disappear quite quickly but then of course I have been chatting away for about three minutes now so I'm just going to take a little sip of this please do add the radio silence and we'll see what we think about it shall we oh that's handsome yeah, you can really taste the coffee in there and just a hint of dark chocolate. And there's a lot of vanilla poking through as well. So, yeah, I think I'm going to enjoy that as we talk about an excellent episode of Wrestling Action. But of course, before we can take a visit to Ted Turner's Pure Wrestling presentation, we just need to see what was happening over in Vince McMahon's muscle-bound meathead's emporium. That's right, kids. You can't have a Saturday 
without talking about Saturday. The April 17th episode of WWF Superstars was pre-taped on March the 8th, 1993 from the Charleston Civic Center in Charleston, South Carolina. In action from the show, Crush defeated Glenn Ruth in 2 minutes and 13 seconds with the head vice in what was a raw display of power from the walking Fantacan. The Head Shrinkers defeated J.D. Stryker and Ron Preston in 2 minutes and 41 seconds when Fatu pinned Preston with the top rope splash. Mr. Perfect defeated Barry Hardy in 3 minutes with the Perfect Plex. Time was spent on an indent package during the match as Shawn Michaels ran down Mr. Perfect, hinting at our next Intercontinental title programme. So much for Crush. Bam Bam Bigelow defeated Owen Hart in 6 minutes and 38 seconds in a real back and forth contest between two excellent workers. Bigelow picked up the win with the diving headbutt. Sadly, Owen injured his knee in this match and would miss several months of action, which is unfortunate as he just spunked a load of money on some new gear. Yokozuna defeated Chris Katowski in 2 minutes and 59 seconds with the bonsai drop, as he states his intentions to win the world title back. A world title that's probably halfway to Japan by now. There wasn't much to talk about from a storyline progression perspective for a change. Time was spent recapping WrestleMania, again, but that's alright, as there's loads to cover over in WCW. However, before we can do that, we need to cut to the local calendar newsroom as we look over the happenings on this day in history on April the 17th, 1993. Ooh, the Space Shuttle Discovery, aka STS-56, landed at Shuttle Landing Facility 33 at the Kennedy Space Centre on April the 17th, 1993. The mission was launched from Kennedy Space Center in Florida on April the 8th, 1993, and the primary payload of the flight was the Atmospheric Laboratory for Applications and Science 2, also known as Atlas 2, designed to collect data on the relationship between the sun's energy output and Earth's middle atmosphere, and how these factors affect the ozone layer. Also on this day, as a result of the 1992 Rodney King riots, Two Los Angeles police officers were convicted in federal court of violating Rodney King's civil rights and sentenced to prison, while two others were acquitted. In matrimony news, lead singer of the Bangles, Susanna Hoffs, weds Austin Powers director, Jay Roach. In deaths, Turgut Ozal, president of Turkey from 1989 to 1993, died at the age of 65. In the pop charts on both sides of the Atlantic, Informer by Snow was still at number one in the US, while Young at Heart by the Bluebells held the top spot in the UK once again. Indecent Proposal was entering its second weekend at the top of the US box office, while in the UK, the reissue of Disney's The Jungle Book 
was starting the first of two weeks at the top of the box office. Suck on that, Mel Gibson! World Championship Wrestling presented the April 17th edition of 1993's WCW Saturday Night from the Centre Stage Theatre in Atlanta, Georgia, previously taped on April the 6th. Commentary for the night was provided by Tony, Yes Excalibur, I Agree, Shivani and Jesse, I Hate Jim Ross Now, Ventura. I got something to say here. I've been back there listening to Arn Anderson. And I have gone through enough. I want you. Uh-oh. Are you? Arn Anderson's coming up. Go get Arn Anderson right now and tell him I'm waiting on him. Hey, right now. Tell don't him. you tell him yourself. I will tell him myself, but go get him and don't I'll do it. Don't you just turn around and tell him. Just turn around. Oh, my. Whoa. Arn Anderson, Nayland, Barry Windham, and they've thrown Barry Windham into the ring. The enforcer, Arn Anderson, working over the NWA champion, catches him with a forearm, Windham rolling outside the ring. WCW Saturday night. Hi, everybody. It's Tony Schiavone, Jesse the Body Ventura. And for the next two hours, the superstars of WCW will come into your living room. Jesse, good to be back with you. And now, take a look at how we're beginning this two-hour program. Ron Simmons and Van Hammer. Our opening contest is tag team action, as the odd pairing of the all-American Ron Simmons and Heavy Metal Van Hammer, a.k.a. Rap Metal, take on the Texicans themselves, Tex Slasinger and Shanghai Pierce. So it's up to Ron to elevate the dreadful work of Van Hammer. Jesse makes a point about the pairing by comparing them to Run DMC and Aerosmith. Seriously. Van Hammer looks like a rabbit in the headlights as he and Tex start things off with a lockup. Tex gets the early advantage before Hammer powers out. The pace is like treacle here before Hammer goes for another lockup. Tex gets thrown off the ropes into a shoulder block before he bails outside. Back in, Tex locks up this time and Hammer grabs a headlock, which gets broken on the ropes, before Hammer hits a hip toss and carries Shanghai in for a backdrop. Ron cheers him on before Shanghai finally tags in. Another lockup party starts before Hammer works an armbar on Pierce into a hammerlock before Simmons tags in. Simmons picks up the pace with another bastard lockup. Simmons tries to power out and gets knocked to the floor. Seven minutes have passed. Another lockup and Pierce gets thrown into the ropes and a beautiful power slam from Ron gets one. Hammer tags in and keeps Pierce in an armbar before Shanghai clubs his way out into a headlock. Hammer hits the ropes and Tex yanks him out onto the floor. Hammer gets to his feet and Tex rolls him back in. Hammer gets worked on in the corner before Tex drops the elbows on him. Hammer is fighting to get to Ron and manages to tag him in, but the ref missed the tag and stops him from cleaning house. This prompts the Texicans to use the bull rope on Hammer for the DQ loss at an interminable 9 minutes and 5 seconds. Good gravy this was hard to watch. At one point I could swear things were so slow that this match went in reverse. I don't particularly mind the Texicans, but I have no desire to see Rap Metal have another match together again. 
both men are better off doing other things. In Ron's case, competing for a title. In Hammer's case, taking a drink driving course. After the opening excitement, our second match of the night sees Eric Bischoff's girlfriend, Johnny B. Bad, take on the challenge of Todd Zane. Johnny looks very fancy in a sequined cowboy hat and feather boa. And pants, obviously. He gives a boa and a sticky kiss to another prepubescent lass. Zane looks very much like Bang Bang Bart from Marge Simpson's imagination. Just more of him to love, honey. Johnny gets his bad blaster out and shoots his muck over the audience before the bell finally sounds. Tony announces that Scott Flash Norton will be making his debut later. Johnny uses his speed and boxing acumen to hold Zane off before he works the arm and a side headlock. Bad runs the ropes and hits Zane with a back body drop before the arm drag leads to an arm bar. Zane gets to his feet briefly before Bad continues to work the arm with knees. Zane attempts to soften Bad with elbows and kicks before Johnny reverses an Irish whip into the ropes and hits a lovely power slam. An atomic drop from Bad leads to the dreaded Tutti Frutti for the pin and the win at 2 minutes and 54 seconds. This is how you maximise your time. The Johnny B. Bad character worked better as a lower card babyface and Mark Merrow was underrated at this time with his pace and presence. Zane was a solid base here and made me forget about the middling match that opened proceedings. After the break we get the sight of the walking side of cow Scott Flash Norton who takes on Scott McKeever in the famed Battle of the Scots. This doesn't last long at all. Scott was making a name for himself over in New Japan and this was a chance to show the Yanks what he could do. Norton wails on McKeever with nasty rabbit punches before a foiled sunset flip from McKeever leads to a choke bomb from Norton. A back elbow off the ropes fells McKeever before a monstrous right hand gets the pin for Flash in one minute and two seconds. Hey, they ain't here to listen to you. They're here to listen to me. My name is Scott Flash Norton and I'm here to get some respect. And if they don't give it to me, I'm going to take it. You're going to bet on it. That from Scott Norton fans, a man who certainly means business in WCW. We'll have more action on Saturday night. Stay right with us. Oh, lordy. Give this man all the belts right now. Short and sweet. This man means business. Match 4 sees a man that my daughter described as fancy. The enforcer, Arn Anderson, taking on what can only be described as a retired dick dancer, Chick Donovan. Chick looks like someone who tried to shake the jobber tag and failed. Arn fails to gain a power advantage, so the mat wrestling starts early. Commentary talks about the impending feud with Barry Windham over rejecting the horseman, as Arn starts to gain an advantage on the mat. Donovan works the arm briefly before Arn reverses him into the corner. Donovan fights back with kicks and looks for a spinning toehold before Arn rakes the eyes. Donovan continues to work the leg with little success before Arn forces the shoulder into the post. A slam from Arn softens Donovan as both men tussle in the ropes. Arn works the arm and shoulder with a hammerlock but Donovan counters out and works the knee some more. Arn manages to get the upper hand with an armbar and shoulder breaker, forcing Donovan to the ground. 
Arne works the midsection before the spine buster finishes things at 4 minutes and 24 seconds. Hi Jess, yes Ric Flair is here. Arne Anderson, the enforcer, another tremendous win. You know Tony, I have seen legends made and I have seen legends destroyed right here before your very eyes at WCW. But last week, while I was lying on the beach in Honolulu, my best friend, and that's the kind of man he is, thought he would step forth and tell Barry Windham, our National Wrestling Alliance World Heavyweight Champion, who has snubbed me, who has refused to comment on the return of the Four Horsemen, I thought he would address Barry Windham publicly. That's the road if you may. Well, I'll tell you what happened. Like the snake that he is, Windham came out here, took a cheap shot at Double A. Double A just about won the title in 30 seconds, right here. Well, now, Windham, you want me back in the ball game, brother. The nature boy is getting Rick, I've known you a long time and I've never interrupted you in my life because I got too much respect for you. But this thing about Wyndham is now my play. You see, Barry Wyndham, it's time for Arn Anderson to quit staying in the shadows and step to the front of the pack. I've spent a whole career making other people's careers. Now it seems like Anything's going to get done in my lifetime, I got to do it myself. So Barry Windham, they say the eyes are the temple of the soul. Well, look into my soul and understand that it's on fire. And the thing that's fueling that fire is your very existence. You were all man the night you won the belt, and you've been all man ever since. But understand one thing, say what you want about Arn Anderson being a bridesmaid. It's time for me to step to the podium, raise my head, act like the man I was raised to be. You bring yourself to me in any arena in this country, my friend, because that trophy symbolizes all that is great on this planet in the world of professional wrestling. My time has come. There's been a rebirth. The four horsemen are back together. If you're ashamed of it, that's your problem because we hold it high in our hearts and I'm gonna shove it down your throat whether you like it or not. That belt is coming to Arn Anderson. All right, Tony, I guess what he's saying is the next National Wrestling Alliance World Heavyweight Champion will be Double A. Right. Right. Back with more, Prince. Commentary talk about Arn being on the comeback trail here and he made good work of a surprisingly solid opponent. Donovan looked like he really had something here, and it wouldn't surprise me if he tried out for WCW here. I'm really enjoying seeing where the pairing of Flair and Arn is going too. Could the symbol of excellence be reforming? Will Arn get his shot at Wyndham's title? I can't wait to find out. Our fifth match sees the WCW World Television Champion, Mr Wonderful Paul Orndorff, give a shot to a young and hungry gunner. Not that gunner, obviously, but he seems to be just as much of a true patriot. Kurt Angle, eat your heart out. 
The Paula chants start early as Orndorff takes his frustrations out on the poor kid. Gunner gets a side headlock to start and he hits a body press off the ropes for one. A drop toe hold and armbar has Orndorff grounded early, but Orndorff gets a knee lift off the ropes and a headlock of his own. Orndorff cinches it in before taking Gunner to the mat. Gunner gets a pin attempt or two off bridging before he works the armbar again. Orndorff uses knees in the corner to power out and goes to work on him on the floor. Back elbow from the ropes grounds Gunner before Orndorff whiffs on a second rope knee. Gunner hits a pair of nice drop kicks before Orndorff hits a knee lift to stop Gunner's momentum before the pile driver wins things for Orndorff at 4 minutes and 38 seconds. A decent showing from young upstart Gunner here, but a win for the veteran to keep him strong as one of Dustin Rhodes' challengers. Not a bad match at all. Match number 6 is the lesser spotted Stephen Regal take on Bobby Parker. Steve is still playing the clean cut babyface here as we start with a lockup that showcases the Union Jack on his arse. Regal gets the advantage with Matt wrestling and an arm wrench as Jesse comments that he needs to develop some arrogance to be successful. Some foreshadowing there perhaps Jess. A slam from Regal leads to some knees off the ropes and a takedown. Parker tries an arm bar of his own before Regal hits some knees as boring chants ring out. Regal hits an uppercut before a drop kick off the ropes gets two. The crowd go mild here as Parker gets some shots in before the butterfly suplex from Regal gets three in two minutes and 56 seconds. One of the most talked about men in WCW right now, reason why he is the US Heavyweight Champion, Dustin Rhodes. And Dustin, you've had a shoulder injury, it's kind of sidelined. You tell us about the shoulder injury and how things are progressing. I had a slight separation of my shoulder, you know, but I'm back. I feel real good. And I mean, Tony, I do feel real good. Let's talk about ravishing Rick Rude a little bit. Let's talk about Mr. Wonderful Paula Orndorff. The facts are in. The contracts are signed, so let's quit talking about it. Let's get it on. I got to bring in a very close friend of mine right now, all the way from England, Steve Riggle, another tremendous athlete in WCW. Steve, come on in here. Good match, brother. Very good match. Good to see you. Doing real well. I hope the shoulder gets better a lot soon. Now, I was on the phone the other day to my good friend and countryman, Davy Boy Smith, who probably you know is on a tour at this time. He asked me to pass a few messages on to the fans here. Firstly, Davey Boy said he'd like to say a real big hello to each and every one of the fans here at WCW. And he looks forward to seeing you soon. Now the next message, which is the most important of all, is headed towards you, Big Van Vader. Davey Boy said in a few weeks he'll be back, bigger and better than ever. And when he gets back, he's got a big settle to score to settle with you. And he hopes you're ready, because he is 100%. All right, Steve Regal and the natural Dustin Rhodes, Davey Boy Smith, a tremendous athlete, like Steve said, on his way back. It wasn't too long ago, right here on WCW Saturday night, his return to his great homeland, Manchester, of course, in Great Britain. And what a tremendous return it was. We'll be seeing Davey Boy Smith in the weeks to come. Right now, let's go back to the ring on our next event, Tag Team Action, here on TBS. Regal is trying really hard here but the fans don't seem to be behind him at all. He's young, and this is his first big chance in the States, but maybe a character change would benefit him, especially since there's already another big British babyface in the company now.
Our next match sees my early contenders for the best tag team of 1993, not the sexiest, mind you, just the best, Stunning Steve Austin and Flying Brian Pillman, the Hollywood Blondes, your WCW World Tag Team Champions, and they're taking on Chris Sullivan and the Italian Stallion. We're only halfway through the show here, and there's still loads to come. This is how you maximise time in wrestling. The crowd have really come alive here for the Blondes, and these two are absolute money together. Austin and Sullivan start with a quick lockup as Austin forces Sullivan into the ropes. Some chain wrestling ground Sullivan as Austin exerts himself. Punches from Austin floor Sullivan as Pillman tags in with kicks and chops. Sullivan reverses the whip which only angers Brian as he and Austin go to town on Sully. Austin misses the axe handle as the stallion gets his chance. A lockup is thwarted with a thumb and a knee lift from Austin before he hits a suplex and tags Pillman in for the axe handle. Brian throws Stallion out as Austin uses the towel as a weapon before dabbing the sweat off of Pillman. Stallion dodges the axe handle but Pillman tags Austin in who keeps Stallion on the outside for some more towel work from Pillman. Stallion gets an upper hand on the outside before Austin grounds him again. Stallion gets two from a reversal into the ring before Pillman chokes him for a while. Stallion manages an atomic drop to Pillman before Sullivan can tag in again. The Blondes hit a double clothesline though before Austin and Pillman hit a double team elevated dropkick combo for the win in 5 minutes and 58 seconds. A nice showcase for the new champs who made their opponents look the business without looking like goofballs themselves. Give these lads the belts forever. Our next match sees another team make their claim for the belts though, as the original Bella Twins, Keith and Kent Cole, take on Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker and beautiful Bob Cook. Daniel Pewder was taking notes on the Cole's look here. Buddy Parker would go on to train hopefuls at the power plant, but he worked mostly as a strong base for folks that WCW saw something in. The Coles work Parker's arm. I don't know which one is which, nor do I care. A sunset flip from curl number one gets two, as does a flying body press. Curl number one tags in curl number two and some twin magic ensues with leg drops. Cook manages to tag in with little success, as no arm is safe tonight. Cook gets grounded as Scorpio and Bagwell are shown watching on, but Cookie manages to power out before a massive arm drag allows the other curl to tag in for punches this time and a double back elbow. Parker tries to interfere, which allows Cookie to hit a nice right hand as Parker tags in and hits slams and elbows. A battering ram and bulldog almost wins it for Parker and Cook, but one of the coals kicks out. A suplex from Cook gets two, before Parker gets back in with clubbing blows. Parker and one of the coals tag their partners back in, and the other coal hits a knee lift on Cook before all four men come in. A flying body press and pin win it for the Coles in 7 minutes and 3 seconds before Scorpio and Bagwell come into the ring to dance awkwardly with these mulleted goofs. Not a bad match by any means, but the Cole twins are just the latest in a line of big lads who looked the part for about 6 weeks before disappearing. Scorpio and Bagwell should be the focus for the first shot at the blondes here. Still, nobody did anything bad. And the Coles have some good chemistry, what with them being shoot twins and all that. This is Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, back with a slamboree moment. 
You know, the weekend of the 22nd and the 23rd in the Omni in Atlanta is an opportunity of a lifetime. In the morning in Atlanta, Georgia, the slam meet will occur. That's where fans get to have the opportunity to meet and greet all the great legends. And brother, let me tell you, they're all going to be here. Now, on the evening of the 22nd, we're going to have some food. Of course, I'm going to be there personally for this thing. You'll have an opportunity to dine with old grandma's favorite legend. But on the 23rd, in the Omni, the, the highway where so many great superstars have walked through the years, you have the opportunity to bring your grandma, your mama, your daddy, and the kids to see the legendary figures come down that aisle one more time. We talked about last week some tremendous athletes, but think about this. Legendary Don Morocco from Hawaii. Johnny Valentine the greatest United States heavyweight champion of all time. And you talk about Ric Flair, and you talk about superstars throughout the, the years that held the title, the Holy Races, <laughs> yours truly, Luther's, is reverent to us, brother. And your mama's gonna get to see him walk down there, and I bet he's gonna be looking so fine. The party of the year in the Omni on May the 22nd, Slamboree, this is Dusty Rose, the American Dream, and I want to tell you before I leave that next week, the news is going to be hot because I've heard that this Slamboree moment next week is going to be done by my arch rival, that dirty old assassin number one. Woo, daddy. I can't wait to see the action at the Omni. Maybe I'll invite Bang Bang Andy. Oh, Rob Daddy, Daddy. Our next match is for the NWA World Heavyweight title, as the champion, Barry Windham, faces the challenge of a man who has literally beaten all challengers in his wake. Steamboat, Douglas, even the Stinger. They all fell to the might of Tommy Angel. Salt and Pepper would love the jacket that Wyndham comes out in. Tommy Angel looks like a cousin lover. We start, of course, with a lock-up or two, before Barry gets the advantage with arm drags and arm bars. Tommy has a go, but he isn't hard enough. Barry brings the boots and a vicious slam before we degenerate into punches. Barry goes back to the arm to bring the Angel harm before working the midsection as well. Poor Angel can't get a look in here as Wyndham throws him out of the ring before following him outside for more punishment. A power slam back inside gets two before Wyndham gets stomps and a hammerlock. Punches in the corner from Barry before Angel hits a drop kick off the ropes and a back elbow. Barry gets a back elbow of his own as fans chant for Arn Anderson. Wyndham gets the Impaler DDT for the pin at 4 minutes and 51 seconds. Barry Windham demanded interview time with Jesse Ventura, and he's got it. Let's go to Jeff. Barry Windham, I got to ask you, we go back a long way, and I'm going to tell you something. Throughout my broadcasting career, I've waited for the moment to broadcast the Four Horsemen. It doesn't appear it's going to happen for me. Because you got the horseman. Wait. I got one horseman I want to talk about. All right. And that's Arn Anderson. Now, Arn Anderson is a guy 
that was a never was. He was a wannabe for years. He was a low man on the totem pole who never got anything done. Now, he said it better himself because he was always the guy that took the liquor. Low man. He wasn't the first horseman. He won the second. He won the third. And there's a lot of doubt he was ever the fourth. Arn Anderson, I did a lot of your dirty work because you weren't capable. You step into the ring with me, and I'm going to finish it just like I did every other time that I did your dirty work. Old man on the totem pole, never got it finished. Barry, Barry let me ask you something, man. If Arn Anderson is the low man on the totem pole, then let's address the issue of the high man on the totem pole. Okay, then the second high man on the totem pole. What about Nature Boy Ric Flair? Hey, wait a minute. They pay me a lot of money to broadcast and talk to people, Barry Windham. She don't want nothing to do with even hearing the name of the Nature Boy Ric Flair. We'll be back after this timeout. Tony, what is going on here? I do hope we're building to a Wyndham Anderson program, as these two could have a decent match together. Barry Wyndham was a deserving champion at one point, but I think it's come too late for him really. He's blatantly playing second fiddle to Vader, but it's nice to see him have some underrated matches on the undercard. They're keeping the flair stuff going as well, which should be interesting. The main event of the evening is the culmination of weeks of epic battles from Cactus Jack, and I'm not taking the mick this time. Paul Orndorff fell to him, Tony Atlas took a beating, even the efforts of the Barbarian were thwarted, but now it's time for Mrs Foley's baby boy to face the head of the snake, the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, accompanied by Harley Race, Big Van Vader. Jack walks to the ring with a steely determination in his eyes, before the big mastodon strides to the ring, manager by his side, exuding confidence and having all the swagger in the world. We start with a lock-up, but Vader powers out and poses. Jack pushes him into the corner and hits a flurry of rights before the champ composes himself. They lock up again, with Vader getting the advantage with clubbing blows. The punishment continues, but Jack seems to like it. Vader doesn't seem to let up as Jack is struck in the corner. Vader continues to pepper Cactus all over the ring with punches. Vader continues to pepper Cactus all over the ring with punches, before a thunderous right from Cactus counters a Vader charge, before Jack hits a leg drop and top rope clothesline. Punches now rock the champ as we spill to the outside, as both men hit the guardrail and Vader is down. Race gets a clothesline for good measure too, before Jack rolls back into the ring. After the break, Cactus has Vader on the apron before peppering him with headshots in the corner. Vader counters a sleeper with a back squash and loses his headgear. Vader comes back with vicious punches as Jack is reeling. Cactus is struck in the corner as Vader wails on him with shots to the head before a right hook and a head wrench from Race leaves Jack in trouble. Vader hoists Cactus up for a devastating Samoan drop before going up to Brett's rope for the Vader bomb. Vader then throws Cactus to the outside for Race to have his revenge again 
before Vader continues to wail on him on the outside, before Cactus dodges a clothesline attempt that Race gets the full brunt of. Cactus fights back inside, but catches a boot from Vader before eventually forcing himself inside. A nasty shot from Vader sends Cactus back outside, but Vader misses the splash into the guardrail and both men are down. Cactus hits a standing senton off the apron to floor Vader as the referee counts to eight. With every last bit of Cactus's life force, he claws himself back into the ring to beat the count of ten as Cactus Jack defeats the WCW World Heavyweight Champion Big Van Vader via countout in 11 minutes and 30 seconds. Post-match, Vader throws a paddy. Well, there are moments like these that not many announcers really enjoy. I tell you, Big Van Vader is back out here. Anytime, Jack! Anywhere! In a street! In an alley! At my house! In my backyard! It don't matter! The WCW don't have to sanction it! We can just fight! We don't have to sign a contract! Look at me, Jack! I want you! You took something from me tonight, and I'm gonna get it back! Blood, sweat, and tears! Next week, right here! No contract! No sanction! You just show up, brother, because I won't be hard to find! Let me tell you something, Giovanni! Cactus! You just started the damnedest war that you'll ever think about completing. You started a war that you're not going to survive. You started a war that the big man is going to end. He's gonna take you out, Jack. If it's the last thing that we do, yes, Jack, come on. Come on. Well, I... Fans, I guess we're going to try to have that match next week. And I don't even know if I want to be here for it. See you next week. Now, I hope I didn't sound too overly dramatic there during that rundown. But what a way to end a show. Both men didn't give an inch. And there's seemingly more to come. Two words... Yes, please. This time flew by, and I'm loving that the champ is facing challenges from all sides. And now we go to my final thoughts. WCW showed how to make good use of time here. Time was given for storylines to play out naturally without in-ring time being impeded and we got hints to a few upcoming feuds, such as a tag team title program, an Arn and Barry feud and the continued elevation of Cactus Jack into the star that he truly deserves to be. As we approach Slamboree, WCW is presenting a strong case for there to be some decent matches on the card. I honestly can't wait to catch the next edition of Saturday night. We're gonna rock you like this. The Star 
star of the night goes to Mrs. Foley's baby boy himself, Cactus Jack. This character is a shining example of what can happen when the fans get behind the character, as all that has changed about his presentation is who he's directing his vitriol towards. I'm hoping for an extended Vader program here. The match of the night goes to Cactus vs Vader, but there were many worthy candidates on this show. But that main event was worthy of its place on the program, and well worth a watch. The highlight of the night was the true definition of a squash match involving Scott Norton. Short, sweet, and uncommonly brutal. I hope to see more of this angry slab of beef. And the low light of the night is having to see poor Ron Simmons lumbered with the future major run over your daughter and drive off. I normally love the stuff, but in this instance, rap metal sucks. But I'll be back on Monday to review the next episode of Monday Night Raw in our timeline, as the Beverly Brothers look to take on Money Inc. Enjoy the rest of your weekend fam, but in the meantime and in between time, stay beefy! Meat Cider!